Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm really excited to welcome Robert Moore's head strength and conditioning coach, Todd Hammer, to the podcast. Today, Todd and I sit down and, and we talk about coaching. It's actually really uh, it's a neat talk. It's a little different than the ones that we've had in the past. Uh, I think it's one you guys are really going to like. You know, with Hammer's uh, background with writing for Elite FTS and uh, you know the for the coach by the coach line, it, this is really a, a fitting and 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 really good discussion uh, when it comes to pretty much all things coaching. You know, the first thing that Hammer talks about is knowing your strength and re- uh, strengths and weaknesses. You know, reaching out of your comfort zone to, and to find people who can help you learn about those things, and uh, you know, educating yourself and your staff. Um, in in what you're not doing well or in ways outside of the profession that'll help carry into the profession. That's something that he does it's, that, you know, is pretty unique and, and really they've had a lot of success with it up there at Robert Morris. I mean, obviously the coaching tree that Hammer has, you know, displays that in and of itself. He talks about contacting coaches, and I think that this is really great advice for younger coaches out there. Um, and maybe some people with lesser resources as well who, who tend to reach out and try to garner more information through other coaches, you know, because it's more than just reaching out. It's it's how you come off and what you're asking for that's really important. And it's it'll really almost determine whether you get an answer or not from a lot of people. You know, when he talks about who you ask these questions and, and how it matters, you know, remembering that there's people out there that are smarter than you and, and better than you at things and, and finding those that are and learning from them. It's a really important thing. It's something that I've really modeled my continuing education plan off of. And to be totally honest, it, I took a lot of it from him. Um, understanding that you've got great resources locally more likely than not and to and to have interaction with those people and make as many face-to-face interactions as possible because nothing beats actually being able to sit down in a room and talk about things or be in a room and a weight room and train with people to understand what they're doing and how they're doing it and to, and to learn how to communicate and that communication really is the start and end of all problems you know and understanding that verbiage is important understanding that being on the same page with everyone within the department is important and how that can really eliminate problems. And if you're not, how that starts a lot of them. So I hope you guys enjoy the talk. There's a ton to take away from it. And uh, let's get right to it. Hammer, thanks for being on, man. Thanks for having me, Jay. You know, we've been we've talked about a billion different things. We've, we've been buddies for 11 years. But I think that this talk will be an interesting message and one that will be different from the, the norm. Um, not to say that either of us would ever be qualified and quantified in the norm to begin with. <laughs> um, but one thing that you do probably better than anybody else out there is hunt people down. So let's talk about a bit of knowing your role, knowing what you are, knowing who you are, and how you can better yourself. Yeah, I, I, I've said quite often, I believe as a strength professional, our job is to, when we get in a weight room, our personality needs to be kind of a blown up version of us. I, I, I always say us on steroids, but I feel like that's a bad analogy in our profession. But it needs to be an exaggerated version of yourself. And not everyone's like you, not everyone's like me. You know, We're different people and we're going to coach differently. We're going to address the student-athlete differently, and I think you need to know yourself to do that. Um, 
it's funny. There's a question you asked me at the Pennsylvania SCA like four years ago, and you said, "What strength and conditioning books are you reading right now?" And I looked. And I said, "None." <laughs> and it's not that I wasn't reading; it's that all my reading at the time happened to be about other things. And um, I, for me, I'm a little different because to me, the more I diversify my knowledge, the more I excel as a strength coach. The more I understand about outside fields, and I believe that. You know, generally, profession does not succeed within itself, and you see it happening in our profession more and more. Technology, it has nothing to do with what we were doing ten years ago. But as you see technology advancing, you're seeing people from the smart technology side of things pushing our profession. So I think it advances from outside worlds, and so I like to think I try to be an educated person on you know many different topics. Um, so uh, to me, it. it I, I, I like to say, you know, I'm going to try to understand 50 different topics, 100 different topics, whatever I can, and use that in my coaching. Whereas I don't understand the science. I'm not going to lie to you. I talk to Brian Mann and I get confused. I don't know what he says half the time. Um, you know, I, I, I talk to some of your speakers and they say words that I, I'm like, that's, that's really a word? You didn't make that one up? Um, but at the same time, know your strengths and weaknesses and also know who you can contact that has the information you're looking for because none of us are experts on everything. And I think the biggest lesson to strength coaches, young and old out there, is that you'll never be an expert in everything. Someone knows something you don't know. Uh, Mike Boyle said this year at CSAC, I loved it. He said, I'm not smarter than you. I just read the book first. You know, I happened upon the book. You would get there. I read the book. I gave you the information. Now you have it. And to me, now you have to do something with that information. Um, you know, I reference Brian Mann. He's someone I talk to three to four times a week. You know, via text, via Facebook, via phone call, whatever. Because he, I think, similar to me, has a you know very diverse uh, view of the world, of diverse education, and so I can bounce ideas off him, knowing that he still knows what I do every day. So when I speak to Brian, he knows what it's like being in the weight room at six a.m. with freshman football. So he can say, "Well, here's the science, but here's the reality. You know, here's what you need to be doing." I know your situation. You don't have all the technology. It's 6 a.m. You got 30 freshman football players. Um, today was our last lift with our football team for the season, and so I called the seniors in before the breakdown. And, you know, just said something about each senior and said, "Hey, you made it through." And each senior said, "How many guys came in with you? How many guys started in your freshman class?" And the one kid was a mid-year guy. You know, he came in in January, and he said, "Man, when I came in, there were six of us." And he read the other five, and I was like. You're doing how I was even graduating. He said, Yeah. I said, There's other five. I said, One kid, whatever happened to him? They're like, Yeah, he disappeared. I went out to California, don't serve him again, kind of parts unknown. Um, you know, it's a special thing to, to see these kids get through it, but understand that, um, I don't know where I was starting, heading with that one, but um, that, you know, my job is help educate those kids. And the kids that make it through the four to five years, I'm one cog in the educational process. So I, I know what I know. I know what it's like to be in there coaching them, but I need to find the people who know other things but can also know the experiences we're having in there, know what it's like to coach a group. Like I said, you're in the weight room. You know what it's like to do it. I know what it's like to do it. Uh, Brian Mann does know what it's like to do it, and that's why he's a guy I lean on so often and so heavily. Um, you know, Obviously, Tim Contos, luckily, I was lucky I got to see him last week. But in the last week, um, you know, Tim Contos was in town. We got to get together for an hour. Uh, Cam Davidson, their hockey team up at Penn State, was flying up to Alaska. And because you can't fly out of State College, they were in Pittsburgh. So we got together for a beer. And then I got to travel down to Charlotte to see Dupa and uh, Ryan Nozak, who used to work for me. Mm -hmm. 
they're just good guys and steal ideas from them. I, I spent four hours in Charlotte's weight room just lifting. You know, they were in, they were doing their shoot around. It's like, I'm going to keep lifting guys. They're like, all right, cool. And I'm playing with everything they have that's different from what I have. Um, so knowing who, who's out there that you can steal from. And also knowing that everyone's out there. They're a Facebook message, an email, and a phone call away. You know, when when you want to contact someone, just contact them. And, and you know, I'll be honest with you, I delete most of the emails I get to say, hey, I need a job. You know, and not, not like if you said, hey, I just got, you know, everyone at Richmond got fired. I need a job. I'm, I'm going to respond to that. But when I get that young kid who says, do you have any open positions, I delete the email. When I get the young kid who says, hey, I want to come visit you and learn, then I email back and say, let's go. Right. So I think knowing that too. Yeah, and that's big, man. Like people, I mean, I can't tell you how many emails I get a week where it's, I want a job or I want your program. Um, or I heard you talk, can you send me everything about this, that, and the other thing, as opposed to, you know, we had a kid from England this summer who's like, hey, listen, I heard you talk on this, that, or the other thing. I want to come over and spend the summer and see what you guys actually do. All right, you know what? Now we can cook a little bit. Like, if, if you're driven and you want to actually go out and, and learn and put yourself out there to become better, then now you're going to be someone who people are going to reach out to and want to be part of, you know, their development as opposed to just the, the gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. Um, which, which is unfortunately sort of more of where it's going. Yeah. And I got an email this week from the exact situation. The kid was interning. I don't remember where, you know, I'm not going to say a school because I'll get it wrong. And he said, I, I'm looking now for a graduate assistant. I'm not going to lie to you. I, del- I just deleted the email because I'm, I have a job. That's not my problem. You have a problem. Yeah. And I would love to be part of your solution, but asking me for a job from someone I don't know is not how I'm going to solve your problem. But if you said, hey, I'm going to be in the Pittsburgh area, you know, could we get together? Could I stop by the weight room? I have had high school strength coaches, college strength coaches, you know, kind of run the gamut, personal trainers who just come by and spend the day with us. And, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm open. I say, hey, here's here's what our schedule is. We're training at noon. You lift, right? Yeah, okay, well, you train at noon then. Because um, I want them to get the experience of what we do every day. You know, get here at 5.15 in the morning, train in football groups, train at noon, you know, do an interview with DeMayo at 2, go to football practice at 3.30. Um, yeah. I'm in a different situation a lot. I don't travel with our teams. Like I said, I traveled with our women's basketball team last week, but I don't travel full-time. I work hands-on with football, men, and women's basketball. With those three sports, it's just impossible to travel. Mm -hmm. I'm at every home football game, and I have a staff member go to each away football game. Generally, it's a younger staff member, and we mix it up who goes. Uh, To me, that's one of the perks of working here is that when you're a young guy, you get to go out and travel with the football team. You get to meet the strength coach here at school. Um, one of the things I think we need as a profession to get better at is we for the people that do travel, meet everyone. You know, if you're going to Pittsburgh, why aren't you stopping by Duquesne? You know, I, I think what those guys do, they do a good job down there. Now, granted, two of the four guys that work there work for me, so I'm a little biased. Um, yeah, I think Pitt does a really good job. Uh, you know, obviously Beltsy has mm-hmm. been his profession forever. Beltz does a really good job down there. Um, I, you know, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know their football staff right now, but 
I, in my defense, since I've been here, I think they've had five football staffs. Yeah, I was just going to say, they're pretty new. Yeah, I've met them they, uh, briefly. They seem like really good guys. Um, like well, said, and, and flying under the radar with all that is Allen. Yeah, you got Dejan Eric on Eddie Mellon. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, we have an hour away from here at Cal U of PA, Division Two. Bobby Sepsi, who worked for Jeff Oliver up at um, Holy Cross. Mm-hmm. Great guy, great coach. I love going to visit that guy. I mean, that's a guy that you talk about under the radar. I think people know Allen's smart. I don't think people know Bobby's out there. People are like, who's Bobby Sepsi? Well, and this kid, first off, he's a bodybuilder, so I hate hanging out with him because I usually walk in with a coffee and a donut. He's eating celery and grilled chicken. I feel bad about myself for a week. Um, and I come back, I'm like, I ain't, I ain't talking to him no more. But um, but there, there's just so many people out there to steal from and to learn from. And we, as a profession, need to continue improving and doing that. I think the, you know, the NSCA, the CSCCA conferences are good. Um, the fact that we have two conferences is a little goofy, you know, which do you go to. I've been getting some crap from some friends for not going to the NSCA this year. I'm like, it's not in the budget. You know, and it's during the school year. Like, it's tough to do. Uh, we, you know, as you know, we try to get to the CSCCA every year and we get there, you know, 80% of the time. Um, but that, I think we need to improve in that because you know, the, the, Eric at Kentucky, you know, I've never met the guy. I have an intern that came from him. Well, he, they seem to be doing some amazing things. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Uh, Ryan Horn, you know, I, eight years ago, Ryan Horn showed up at my doorstep and said, I want to intern for you. He's now the director at Wake Forest for for men's basketball. Um, you know that I knew when he walked in the door he was going to do some good things because that guy's smart. That guy knows his stuff. Um, their women's basketball strength coach, uh, what's I can't remember his name right now. Joe Grayson. I forget his last name. I feel really bad. Really nice guy. He came and visited me the other day. Funny story is how small the world is. He came in, visited. And we had a, a former volleyball player who's now competing in physique competitions walk in the door, and she looks and goes, Joe? It was Alina? And they're cousins. The guy's from Pittsburgh originally, and he's cousin of one of my volleyball players. That's funny. But, um, I mean, that's how small of a world it is. Everyone kind of knows everyone, and we need to continue to do that to steal from each other. Because there's, there's no secrets. There's just new ideas. Yeah, I, and I think that even more so, it's almost to the point now where this is nitpicky. But steel isn't the word anymore because there's so many people out there that if you're doing the right thing are willing to share information, you know, and the guys that you mentioned are, are two that are near the top of the list when it comes to me for people that I bounce ideas off of and ask questions. You know, I mean, there aren't enough people that know who Ryan Horn is. I mean, and that's just a, a fact. Yeah. Um, and Eric has garnered some publicity. Um, doing what he's done both at Florida State and now how they're building things at Kentucky. Um, but more so than, than their coaching prowesses, they're both super dudes, man. Um, and they're, they're both really open. Um, you know, we, we just played down at Wake recently, and, you know, Ryan's really lucky with, with a lot of the technology that they have. And um, If people didn't hear the talk as to why, Danny Manning is so into all of that. I would recommend you listen to Ryan's podcast on here because it's almost scary, um, but it's really neat that they've developed this huge um, 
like impact that technology has on them. Now, the reason why isn't great, but listen to that and you'll understand. But, you know, he's, he's got the sport view. You know what all the NBA teams use. And I, I literally just got the email right now from him. He's like, here's all the data from your guys. He didn't have to do that. Yeah, that's that's awesome to have. You know, I mean, like, that's what I'm going to do tonight is it's going to be like, I'm going to look at this and, you know, probably be like, uh, do you have three hours tomorrow? Because. Explain me what all this means. <laughs> yeah, I know their names. <laughs> so what's the rest of the stuff? Yeah. Uh, but no, man. Like, so I think that maybe Carl, Val, Carl Valley talks about open and honest sharing all the time. And that's what he thinks that we do very well. And I think that that's what's important. And so piggybacking off of that, let, let's go and talk about understanding your role and understanding what you're good at and how you have a co- as a coach have looked at situations where you've been stuck and found your way out? Uh, I mean, as a coach, to me, nine out of ten times when I get stuck, it becomes a communication or relationship thing. Uh, let me give you a perfect example. We got a call, um, Kron's brand. Do you know Kron's? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were doing apparel for a little while. Actually, it's a Kron sweatshirt on right now. Um, the gentleman who invented them here in Pittsburgh had played basketball at Pitt, and they got into the apparel game. Um, they, I think they realized a few years into it that they weren't going to compete with Under Armour or Adidas and everyone. And they decided, we have these connections, let's change our focus. And they decided to move into sports nutrition. They started doing bars and shakes. Um, they recently were able, they hired Leslie Bonsi, and if you're familiar with Leslie, uh, from UPMC, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, who was sports nutritionist at Pitt forever. Um, she oversaw sports nutrition in the NFL for a long time, and she's been, you know, she's done it all. Um, could turn on Good Morning America and they're interviewing Leslie Bonsi. They hired her away to come work for them and be their chief sports, I forget her title, but chief sports nutritionist. At the same time all that was going down, I actually got a call from Brian Mann and he said, hey, one of our sports nutritionists kind of a thing, he has to move, he has to, move to Pittsburgh. Um, doesn't have a job, but you know he's okay, he needs to move to Pittsburgh. He's from there originally, he has to go home and take care of some things. Um, yeah, he wants to stay in college athletics. And I said, well, let me see, you know, we have nothing here as far as sports nutrition. I said, so let me see what I can do. So I said, meeting with my basketball coach and my AD. Kind of said, drop a proposal. What could you do for us? We could scrape a little money together maybe and get you to come on board. It looked like it was going to work out. Well, while this is going on, he's looking for a job. Kron's ends up hiring him as one of their sports nutritionists. Well, Kron signs a contract with our healthcare provider, basically with our team docs. Me, the CEO of Kron's, my AD sit down the other day and they said, we're now willing to offer you part of your medical package, free sports nutritionist, a male and a female. Oh, but the male is a guy you just met with. I'm like, from Missouri? Yeah. Well, that's great. I just, you know, we, we, we're comfortable with this guy. We know him. Um, and, you know, I, I, when I was able to sit down there, I'm sitting in a meeting and I said, I only request one thing from you guys. And I said, well, I said, I, me, myself, my staff in athlete training must sit down with the nutritionist prior to you sitting with any coach or athlete. I want you to educate us about what you're going to educate them on. It's because the biggest issue is I don't want the verbiage to get mixed up. And a kid say, the nutritionist told me this, the athletic trainer told me this, and the strength coach told me this. And you know how many times that we could all be saying the same thing, 
But in the kid's head, they go, oh, what Hammer said doesn't jive with what they said. Well, no, it's, it was just different verbiage you didn't understand. So I said, first off, we're all going to sit down. I want to know exactly what's going on. I want you to educate us. Once we get through that, I want a rolling meeting, whether it be monthly, whatever it is, with those nutritionists. What are we changing? What are we doing differently? That way, my staff, and I met with my staff as soon as we were told, I said, we're going to get on board with this. You know, we're going to, because I want one one voice coming out of this at the end of the day. I want us supporting. So to me, when I get stuck, it tends to come down to communication and interpersonal relationships. Communication tends to be, a lot of times, miscommunication. Oh, I didn't know why you were doing that that way. I had an associate in the weight room the other day, and he said, someone's complaining about A, B, and C. And I said, what, 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 what were they complaining about? And he told me, I said, he said, why do you do it this way? I said, well, we do this, we do this, and we do this. And he looked and went, well, that makes sense. He was looking at it from the outside. It makes no sense. But now that you explained it to me, and so something as strength coaches we can continue to excel at working at is dealing with that administration side, dealing with the athletic trainers. How many times have, you know you hear the athletic trainer and strength coach want to kill each other? It's like a daily thing in strength conditioning. Okay. Uh, and how do you get the, on the same page? You know, do you set up weekly meetings with them? Do you just go visit them? Um, I try to stop down practice and sit with the trainer for a little bit and just BS with them. You know, and, and um, with our quote-unquote premier sports, men and women's basketball, Jason, I've known forever, awesome trainer, great relationship with him. When there's an injury, he tells me immediately. Uh, we just had a young lady uh, come on to take over women's basketball. Her previous experience was with our hockey programs. Um, she wanted to you know, move over to basketball and diversify her experience. Couldn't have a better relationship with her. The bus ride back from, from Charlotte, because we flew down bus back, um, you know, we just – Sleeper bus was rough. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a long talk. Yeah, seven hours. Uh, we yeah. got back at 4.30. Um, but we, we were able to, you know, pick each other's brains a little bit. What's going on? When I saw her practice, what, you know, what injuries do we have happening? What do you see? What do you, you know, and, and they, they've made points to me I haven't picked up on. You know, because their expertise is different than mine. What they know is different. So to me, as professionals working on our, A, inner personal communication is how often are we just the meatheads in the weight room to people you know Ryan Horn's a scientist maybe a Scientologist I don't know what the difference is um, he knows some weird sciencey stuff um, Ryan you know he know he knows his science inside now like he said not enough people realize who he is um, and while we're on Wake Forest I have to add that Ethan Reeves might be the nicest guy in this profession and yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's a guy I'll lean on for anything mm -hmm. and I love Brandon Horgan just because of the Boston accent so I just love Wake Forest. Because um, he can say ex expletives better than anyone else. Um, you, you kidding? <laughs> his expletives sound good to that accent. But uh, um, I, I think just learning how to communicate to people so that we're not just the meatheads in the weight room. We're not just, uh, they always they want to bench press and squat. Well, yeah, I want to bench press and squat. So I do this. But at the same time, I want to make a team win. Mm -hmm. I want to make a kid a better kid at the end of the day. And that's what we, that's, I think, an area that we need to strengthen as, as professionals. No, no doubt about it. And I think that, I, I think that that's a, some really good segue into talking more about your silo and who you are, you know, because up in Boston this year, that was like the main uh, trendy topic is that people need to not work in silos. People need to, like, you have your sports med guy, you can't have a silo for them, and you can't have a silo for strength coaches, and you can't have a silo for your PT, and you can't have a silo for your nutritionist. 
But I would almost argue that if you don't, that's when problems happen. And if you can't identify your silo, how are you ever going to know what's outside of it? Yeah, and you know, that brings up uh, Kaz, Kaz's talk from Baylor at uh, the CSCCA this year. He talked about staying in your lane. And we came back, and that was something we talked a good bit about in our staff meeting, which was stay in your lane. And I think it was um, uh, uh, Adam Davis, who's now Tulsa. Good guy, very good strength coach. And he said at one point, I forget the whole story, but it was something like his first week there, a kid came with a nutrition question, and he answered it. He said, and Cass is freaking out on me. And I'm thinking, why is the guy freaking out? I did the right thing. And he said, because it was out of my lane. We had someone that was their responsibility. And I've gone back and forth on thinking, well, what's right? And what I've learned is I like the theory of stay in your lane, you know, silo, whatever you want to be. That being said, there there has to be a dotted line. We have to be able to shift lanes at times. And that's where I think stay in your, you know, this is the best analogy I can come with, you know, whether it be a silo, stay in your lane. I like to stay in your lane. Also know when it's time to put your turn signal on. Let others know you're coming over. So it's not just you're stepping on their toes. Hey, I'm coming over here. This is why I'm coming over. Okay, that's cool. Now we can start, you know, moving people where they need to be. Um, was a good to grade. They talked about getting everyone on the bus, get them in the right seats. And and I think that's such a big thing too. Is that you might have the right people working for you. They might be doing the wrong job. Maybe the, maybe you have the person who needs to be working with team A, working with team B. Um, it is again something I've struggled with when I assign teams to my staff. Do I give you the team that I think you'll be best with? Or do I give you the team that's going to push you as a professional outside your comfort zone? And there's a balance in and of that when you're in charge of a staff because now I have a former collegiate soccer player working for me. He has both soccers. I debate in my head if that's a good idea every day because am I just putting him in his comfort zone? Uh, whereas, you you know, Ralphie, when Ralph was working for me, I gave him soccer. And he said, what do you mean? I said, you know, Division two All-American football player, offensive lineman, meathead. You need soccer in your life. You need to diversify yourself. And I think it's the best thing I ever could have done for Ralph. So I think, no matter what analogy you want to use, knowing what your responsibility is, but then also knowing when it's okay to veer out of it. But you know, use the turn signal. Let people know, hey, athlete trainer, here's something I have going on. Here's how we're going to help hopefully prevent the injury. Um, you know, we got some ex-wives here from Donnie Thompson. And before you start steamrolling your kids with 135-pound steel rods, you might want to tell your athletic trainers. Yeah. Because when the kid comes in, they're like, my back's hurting. Well, what happened? Well, someone dropped a 135-pound steel rod on me. Whoa, 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 they did what? You know, so that, that to me is your turn signal. You bring the athletic trainer and say, hey, check this out. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Um, most of our athletic trainers have been, have been uh, rolled with the ex-wife. For those of you who have never seen the ex-wife or anything, um, I didn't name it. Donnie Thompson did. Just, it's a 135-pound foam roller, basically. But it's not foam. <laughs> yeah. The fun part about those is when you first get them, and the athletes think it's a foam roller, and they see foam rollers lined up, and they try to kick it. They break their toe. <laughs> yeah, so don't let that happen, because your head coach ain't going to be happy when that happens. We had a couple kids come in and try to give a little boot to the ex-wife, and like, what the heck was that? That's a piece of steel. Yeah, that's, that's But I think iron. that, you know, whether... <laughs> whether it be the myofascial release, the mobility work, whatever you're doing, communicate that with those around you, your medical staff, your coaches. I mean, does my coach want to hear, hey, a kid got hurt because I dropped 135-pound piece of steel on their toe? You know, yeah. I, we had a kid six years ago, our starting point guard. We 
ended the year NIT first round at Syracuse. I th- think we took them to overtime. It was a tight game. I forget exactly. I think it went overtime. Open the season back at the Carrier Dome against Syracuse. Week before the first game, we're doing light dumbbell bench. I'm talking kid at 35s. I mean, like force to send our warm up or something. I forget the, the program itself. And he goes to set the dumbbell down, and it catches his finger between the handle of the dumbbell oh. and the bottom of the bench. And his finger explodes. Mm. We've all seen that injury. Yeah, and it hurts. And he looks at me and goes, hammer. He goes like this. And I go, that's good. Just go rinse it off. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, in my head, I'm going, oh, God. Oh, God. He's our starting point guard. Fifth good. year. Fourth year senior. Fifth or fourth year senior. Started last year on an NIT team. Started the year before an NCAA team. I'm going, coach is going to kill me. <laughs> now, luckily, Mike Rice was our head coach. So Mike Rice, who is a friend still, um, you know, looked at him and said, well, you know, he was getting tough. It's okay. Uh, but, you know, we've been in this long enough. There are a lot of head coaches that wouldn't have been happy with me. No, like, it was a freak injury. You can't control that. Um, the coaches don't want to hear about that injury. I had, was lucky because I had a good relationship with the head coach, and the head coach trusted me. He knew I wasn't doing something stupid. I mean, it was a one in a million shot because you figure you set that dumbbell down a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And the way he just had an angle, just caught it between the bench, like the foot of the bench. I mean, I couldn't hit it if I tried. He blew up his finger. So you got to build you know, build a relationship and communicate. Yeah, which seems to be a pretty ongoing theme. Absolutely. It, it, it to me it controls everything we do because you can talk about what you're doing in the weight room all day long, and you can talk with your strength staff, the people who are in the know, and. You know, I, I always make the joke about your prolipins chart. If you said, hey, I have 24 repetitions at 60%, why? Because in 1974, AS Prolipin did a study, and we now pray to it every night. No coach cares. No athlete cares. You know, I, I love using a Tendo unit because it puts a quantifiable, it puts a number, it quantifies speed to them. And I can say, okay, you're moving this fast. You know, you have Tendo units there, so you can do a set without a Tendo, put the Tendo on. I guarantee the set with the Tendo moves faster because now they're starting to compete with each other. And as you go through the sets, you compete more and more. Um, something I found, you know, we tried to do some things where we were using a Tendo and doing, okay, once the bar speed, you know, we'll do as many sets as we can, but once the bar speed drops below a certain percent, we're out. Um, I can't think of the word right now for how we were periodizing it, but um, we were doing that maybe five years ago. And what I found is I couldn't ever figure out when they got fatigued because their athletes are not lifters. So they might move a bar at 0.7 on set one, 0.8 on set two, 0.6 on set three, 0.9 on set four. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. When's fatigue setting in? I'm forgetting that they are not neurologically efficient at the movement pattern. They don't know how to bench squat, deadlift, clean, snatch, kettlebell swing, whatever you're doing. Um, so if I were taking basketball, on a, you know, working on basketball skills, they probably have neurological efficiency that they can fatigue themselves. With this specific movement pattern, each rep is like a whole new movement to the human body. You know what I mean? Because they're just not as adapt at the bench press as I am because that's why I have such a great bench press. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> um, but you have to understand that in the athlete. And that's where a coach isn't going to care about the signs of was it 0.8 meters per second squared. Uh, was it, you know, whatever the speed was. We're doing snatches, and they need to move at 1.5. Well, your head coach doesn't care. They want to take the bar from here to here, and they want to look good. And your athlete, they don't care. 
So now your job's that balance, communicating and educating them, not throwing big words around just to confuse them, but throwing the words around that need to be thrown around. Um, I have to, you know, I'll plug my wife here. She is uh, at one of Dave Tate's editors for Lead FTS. And she always, you know, she says, I hate getting articles from people working on their PhDs. They put in these 50 cent words where a two cent word works. And it's funny, she'll get them and say, what am I supposed to do with this 50 word sentence with all these large, you know, basically it said, we bench press. But no, it was, we were doing a, prank, a prone, you know, vertical movement pattern. Like, it was a bench press. Yeah. It's okay to just say bench press. Like, we're okay with that. Um, so I think understanding that not everyone is as smart as we are, because we are that smart. Well, and that's why, like, look, you look at books that, like, uh, have you ever read Brief? I've not. That's, um, I mean, that's precisely what they talk about, is that it's people talk that way and act that way and do those things. And, and listen, I've, I'm just as guilty as everybody else um, for, for different reasons. And uh, to sum it up, basically, it, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> like, you know I, what? Tell them what they need to know as quickly as possible. Get to the point, And if they have questions, answer them. I just came from my, my men's basketball's uh, office, men's basketball coach's office. And we were talking about, we have a freshman walk-on, great kid. He's about five foot four, 130 pounds. Great kid. Built for basketball. Yes. Clearly not <laughs> built for basketball. He's going to walk on and he's going to kill himself every day at practice. He's going to kill himself every day in the weight room. He comes and gets an extra lift every single day. Our coach, every year, wants to do his test. We test 185 because that's what the NBA does. And then as soon as we're done, we test 135 because if you ever do it, it sucks because mm -hmm. you do a lot of reps and it hurts. And our kind of rule is when you get over 30, you're looking okay. We, I think this year we had a guy hit like 47 at 135, which 47 anything hurts, right? Yeah. So it, I like the test because it's fun. It hurts. You see who's going to grind out, who's going to fight, all that crap. So this kid, 185, first day in the weight room, he gets one. He's been working his butt off. I walk into coach's office, they're having a debate about the kid's bench press. This is why I like my coaches. They're having a debate about bench press in our basketball office. And they said, we heard he hit 225 for four. And they're going, no way, no way, no way. And I said, I think he probably could get two right now. And the coach says, there is no way, there's no way he can get two, no way. And I said, I, he's been working hard. And I said, I'm going to use a Dave Tate analogy. I don't like to swear in these events, but I'll, I'll use a different word. He, I said, he moved from crap to suck. You know, he's he's still at suck. I mean, 225 for two is not a strong person by any stretch of imagination. But he's up to suck now. And they're like, well, uh, and I said, think of me. If you start working on my three-pointer right now and you're saying you're hitting 15% of your shots, I can get to 20% in a couple. I mean, that's not hard to do because I still stink at the activity. Now getting up to 30% to 40%, that's when it starts getting really hard. And and that was the point. And they still didn't believe me. And they, when they said, we're going to bring him in the weight room, see if he can do it for two right now. I was like, I think I think I'll grind him out. I have faith in the kid working hard, but you know that that's how my basketball coaches think about the weight room. You know, how much do they bench? How much do they squat? Have they gotten stronger? And it's a blessing for me with that team because I have a team that wants them to be stronger. Uh, you know, our strongest guy now on the team is a senior. Um, I have him for three years. He was a one year JUCO kid. You know, he probably is a. A little over a 315 bencher at his best. You know, basketball, you know, for a big inside guy, you know, he's a strong kid. Um, he's never going to be a, a power lifter. Right. And he's built for basketball. 
but the coaches want to see they they you know they want they want one rep max testing too. They want to see let's put three plates on. Then do you have the lack of a better term balls to get under three fifteen and bench it, or are you going to punk out? Because yeah, we all we've all seen the rep test where kids are figuring out if I get four at two seventy five, that counts as me being right. a three fifteen bencher. Well, sure. there's a difference. Yeah, there's a big difference between getting under a rep for one and doing 10 at another weight or three at another weight. It takes takes some courage to get underweight. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, it takes a lot of courage to get underweight. And it takes a lot of um, confidence in what you've done to get through those 300, 315 plateaus, you know, mm-hmm. where, that's, where it's things that are different. But, Ham, this has been absolutely, like, awesome. Getting a different view on things, talking about stuff that we definitely don't talk about enough here. The personal side. The Todd Hammer side of it. I I can't thank you enough for being on, buddy. This is awesome. And always a good time, and always a good time. Yeah, man, and we will be in touch soon. Thank you very much, Ham. Yes, sir. Huge thanks to today's guest, Robert Morris' head strength and conditioning coach, Todd Hammer. Guys, I mean, a a ton of great stuff to take, things that you can implement right away when it comes to educating you and your staff or, you know, working on how you can communicate within the department. Things that are all so important when it comes to developing your program and and developing your department and making sure that you guys are are improving and, and on the same page with relationships and everything with the coaches that you work with. As always, guys, if there's any comments, questions, thoughts, anything, please leave them below. Hammer's got no problem answering questions. I mean, he said it right there. So if you guys got anything for Todd, fire away. And if you enjoyed the talk, as always, guys, share it in the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, tweet it, whatever it may be. And as always, thank you again for being part of the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. 